turn with me to the, the book of Proverbs. Uh, we'll read a, uh, a couple of the verses which I, I had put in the, the chat earlier in the week um, prior to engaging in more of an introduction. Uh, so the first one and the one which, uh, well, they're, they're all very much related, I suppose, but uh, the one which I'll, I'll head the vast majority of our time uh, during the message in uh, is Proverbs 17, verse 1. So Proverbs 17, verse 1 says, Better is a dry morsel with quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. And turn over a page or two to chapter 20. And in chapter 20, verse 15, it says, There is gold and abundance of costly stones, but the lips of knowledge are a precious jewel. And once again, another page or two to chapter 23. And Proverbs 23, verse 12 uh, says, Apply your heart to instruction and your ear to words of knowledge. Apply your heart to instruction and your ear to words of knowledge. So those are some, I suppose, formative verses uh, in our consideration tonight. But we, uh, particularly in the generation that I belong to, uh, we live in a generation, and I think more broadly speaking, uh, in a time period of, uh, that pursues and prioritizes ease, don't we? By way of uh, perhaps disturbingly accurate satirical example, uh, in the animated children's movie Over the Hedge, the worldly wise raccoon RJ is introducing a band of forest animals to the, the human habitat of which they were previously naive to. Uh, and specifically with regards to food, he says, they, referring to humans, they always got food with them. We eat to live, these guys live to eat. Let me show you what I'm talking about. The human mouth is called a pie hole. The human being is called a couch potato. Signifying a phone, he says, that is a device to summon food. Signifying a doorbell, he says, that is one of the many voices of food. Signifying the front door, he says, that is the portal for the passing of food. A delivery truck, he says, that is one of the many food transportation vehicles. Humans bring the food, take the food, ship the food, they drive the food, they wear the food. Looking at a grill, he says, that gets the food hot, and a fridge, that keeps the food cold. All of these things which in our society are, I guess, inherently neither good nor bad, nonetheless show the, the priority, in this case specifically with food, uh, that we place upon food. And you can imagine someone that was uh, alien to our habitat looking in at how we uh, treat food and coming to those kind of conclusions. As I say, it is, uh, albeit maybe a simple one, but a maybe disturbingly accurate satirical look at how we look at food. Uh, on another level, if you've ever discussed with anyone uh, the notion of a voluntary stay-at-home mum, not one who is uh, forced for whatever reason into the position, uh, but a voluntary stay-at-home mum, uh, let alone one who plans to homeschool, uh, the reactions to undertaking such feats show, in part, uh, our disposition toward ease. Uh, and certainly, uh, in the Preston household, uh, if our children, uh, our poor little children, uh, if they say words to the effect of, this is hard, uh, myself or my wife will generally retort with, it's good to do hard things, and on we go. Uh, but we prioritize and put effort into what we value, don't we? 
uh, and at risk of showing my own occasional disposition towards ease, uh, sometimes as I am uh, perhaps doing as I, I just criticize my children for doing, uh, as I'm walking up the stairs in our house to go from the, the, the bottom story to the next one, uh, sometimes I think, man, this is, this is hard, often particularly as I'm carrying one or more children up the stairs. Uh, so I think that is hard, but if you were to tell me, uh, Tobias, I will give you $10,000 when you climb the stairs, well then sure enough, I'd be jumping up and down those stairs, no worries. All of a sudden, uh, the, the ease would be uh, right there, the difficulty would be amiss. We prioritize and put effort into what we value. And we've considered it before, so I, I won't camp out on the point. It's just that the, the particular verses, I think, are so illustrative of this concept. Uh, but in, in James chapter 1, uh, verses 2 to 4, uh, say this. It says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing. If our priority were on having characteristics such as steadfastness and being perfect and complete, lacking in nothing, then we would indeed count it all joy when we met trials of various kinds. If our priority, if we prioritize those things, which I, uh, I dare say that uh, God prioritizes, uh, then we would count it all joy if, for example, we met trials of various kinds. And so with that foundational notion uh, that we prioritize and put effort into what we value, uh, I have really just one point for us, uh, although it sounds a little bit more like a sermon title. Uh, the point or the sermon title is meager godliness or worldly abundance. Uh, and that sounds perhaps a little offensive. Let me uh, flesh it out a little more. Meager godliness or worldly abundance. In Proverbs uh, 17 verse 1, which I said that we'd camp out on uh, for the most part, uh, it says once again, better is a dry morsel with quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. Uh, there's very much a parallel of the verse in chapter 15 verse 17 where it says, better is a dinner of dry herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. So we have, uh, I guess, a two things pitted against one another being quiet versus strife. Better is a dry morsel with quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. The, uh, you know that I appreciate a little bit of uh, statistics, a little bit of nerddom, as you might say. Uh, the Hebrew word for quiet uh, appears actually only eight times in the, New, in the Old Testament, I should say. Not a particularly prevalent word. Uh, and six out of eight uses of the word are arguably negative. You could think of the, the word as quietness or ease or prosperity. Uh, interestingly, one of the, the negative uses is housed in Daniel chapter 8, verse 25, uh, where speaking of the king of bold face in verse 24, uh, who comes at the, the latter end of the four kingdoms who arise out of the king of Greece, uh, it says this, By his cunning he shall make deceit prosper under his hand, and in his own mind he shall become great. 
without warning is actually that same word that's used in, in Proverbs uh, for quiet. Without warning, he shall destroy many, and he shall even rise up against the prince of princes, and he shall be broken, but by no human hand. So uh, without warning, by means of ease, security, cunning, prosperity, so as that the people this king came against were caught unawares. Uh, the, the prosperity, the ease, uh, etc., are in themselves, I suppose we could say, neutral. Uh, but because those characteristics were, were present, this king can come without warning uh, and sort of sneak up on these people unawares. Uh, a positive, or two, the two positive uses, uh, of course, one being, uh, I'd argue, in Proverbs 17.1, which we've read already, uh, and the second in Psalm 122, verse 7. Uh, where it says, starting from verse 6, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security, same word, within your towers. And so uh, while often used negatively, uh, the word is not inherently so. Uh, it's similar to how, for example, we might think of nuclear power. Nuclear power is uh, arguably neutral. Uh, we can use it to produce electricity and this is good or we can use it to murder many hundreds of thousands of people, uh, arguably a negative usage. Uh, so the context will dictate whether it is a good thing or a bad thing and how it is used. Uh, you could even argue that quietness, ease, security, prosperity are arguably good things, but uh, as with the, the case in Daniel, if they dull your senses, if they remove discernment or become idols, then obviously the good thing has become bad in its usage. So that's quiet. On the other hand, strife. Uh, strife has quite a lot more usages. 62 times the word is used in the Old Testament. Uh, and once again, surprisingly, it can be used either positively or negatively. Uh, you could think of the word in terms of strife uh, or a cause or someone's cause, their case uh, for or against something, uh, a controversy or a contention. And so we, when we pit these two against one another in the present verse, Proverbs 17.1, uh, in Hebrew as in English, uh, they are opposites that are pitted against and compared to one another. Uh, though neither of the words are inherently positive or negative, uh, we can see that they are opposites in their usage in this particular verse. And I think we can make that assessment. Uh, probably one of the, uh, the simpler rules of interpreting Scripture is to take the, the face value. Whatever is the most simple uh, and obvious meaning uh, is generally the meaning. Uh, so by the face value, we can make that assessment. Uh, because of the aforementioned parallel in Proverbs 15, 17, uh, we understand that the quietness associated with a meager meal is the good part and is to be preferred over an abundance of food with strife or with quarreling or with cases being brought against one another, uh, etc. And so to uh, not just make one application, but to, to make application generally, uh, what do you and I prioritize? What do you and I place a higher degree of value on? What are we willing to expend effort to achieve? 
Imagine, uh, come with me in, in your mind's eye as it were, uh, imagine that this very night you were given the choice uh, to come home and, and have either half a potato and a lettuce leaf put on your dinner plate in front of you, but you would have peace, godliness, love, quietness, or on the other hand, that you were given the option to go home to an abundance of food. Whatever your heart or perhaps your palate most desired, whatever you felt like most as you sat down at the dinner table, uh, you would be given exactly that somehow. It would be magic down from heaven, I suppose. Uh, and there would be no shortage of it. You could have as much as you like. Uh, your belly would be full and then some. But in such a case, there would be strife, uh, cases being brought against one another, arguing, etc. What would you choose? Seriously, in your minds, I consider that predominantly empty plate of half a potato and a lettuce leaf being put in front of you. What would you choose? And maybe it seems like uh, an easy decision tonight. I mean, you're in the, the company of believers. Of course, you want to give the theologically correct answer. Uh, or maybe you're just not that hungry right now. And so the, uh, the potato and the lettuce leaf seems, sure, that'll be fine. I'll get godliness with it. Uh, but what would you say if you were given the same choice tomorrow and the next day? And what would you say if you were given that same choice, not just at dinner time, but at breakfast time, at lunch time, at dinner time? What would be the thing which you would prioritize? The, the filling of your belly with, with choice and delicious food and yet strife and contention in the home? Or would you choose a hungry belly, an unsatisfied one, and yet godliness, quietness, righteousness within the home. As I say, maybe it seems like an easy choice tonight, uh, but what would you do if the same thing were presented to you uh, over and again? To broaden the application, because I don't think this is limited just to food. Uh, husbands, men, what will you choose when the opportunity comes up for uh, a promotion or a, a job that takes you away from the home for an extra period to earn uh, a bit extra each week and that will allow you in doing so to provide better for your family or perhaps for your, your future family. It would allow you to provide uh, much more food, but it will also take you away from your role of governing the family and leading them in righteousness. What will you prioritize? Ladies and gents, uh, to broaden the application from food again, uh, will you prioritize having all of the latest comfort producing apps, gadgets, widgets, and technologies? Or if the choice is between the, sorry, will you, uh, will you work hard for and strive for these things? Or if the choice is between the time and effort put in to achieve such things and the time and effort put in to achieve quietness, godliness within the home, what will you choose? Oftentimes I, I think that we presume that we can have our cake and eat it too. And sometimes it may well be. Uh, of course, a man is, uh, is commanded to, to provide well for his household. Uh, but if the, if the choice is between uh, doing that little bit extra, taking yourself away from the home or being within the home, leading it well, 
uh, and having a, a godly household to the best of your ability, uh, what will you choose? Of course, our, uh, our bellies naturally produce uh, the desire for food. It is a, a natural thing, not an inherently evil thing. I think even in the, the, uh, prior to the fall, we, we ate food. Uh, perhaps there was hunger, though not quite so negative with connotation. But what does our Lord tell us to hunger and thirst for above all else? In Matthew 5, verse 6, perhaps it rings in your ears already. Uh, he says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Do not hunger and thirst for those things which are of this world, which spoil, which get stolen, which get eaten by moths, uh, whatever it might be, or, or even for a, a wonderful meal, which satisfies for a couple of hours and then is expelled from the body. Rather, hunger and thirst for righteousness, and you have Jesus' own word on it, that you will be satisfied. And those things uh, which we can do in order to pursue uh, to hunger and thirst for, to pursue righteousness. Those are the kind of things which we ought to prioritize. And if we will, again, you have God's own word on it, that you will be satisfied. Conversely, you might say, uh, no, no, I will pursue the, the things of the world. I will have all of the stuff. I will be satisfied with that point action satisfaction that goes away uh, of an instant. To which Mark would write, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his own soul. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall, for they will be satisfied. Better is a dry morsel with quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. We could um, paraphrase slightly and say, better is worldly meagerness with godliness than worldly abundance with strife, with evil, with hatred. To bring it to a conclusion, uh, by the grace of God, uh, it seems to me, especially given we have uh, God's completed word, uh, it seems to me that the Lord has laid out in front of us all of the pieces of the game that we need in order to achieve the former mentioned quiet godliness by the grace of God. Additionally, uh, the world is, is more than ready to jump on your bandwagon should you wish to pursue its richest, abundant choice delicacies. The choice is yours. It might even be that if you choose godliness, you are left with a meager worldly ration. And that if you pursue worldliness, you are met with an abundance. But what will ultimately satisfy? What do you have Christ's word on that will bring satisfaction? In which path is true satisfaction and abundance? So let me leave you with a statement and a question. We prioritize and put effort into what we value. What will you choose? So as we come to a time of, of prayer uh, and perhaps meditation upon such a question, um, three points as usual, as, as is often the case. Uh, I have for you uh, discernment to recognize when such forks in the road become relevant. As I say, sometimes there are times when we can have our cake and eat it too, as it were. Other times there are times when we need to make the choice. Will we pursue 
the abundance, the ease, uh, or will we pursue uh, godliness and have a meager worldly ration? So discernment to recognize when such forks in the road become relevant. Uh, pray for godly strength and resolve to withstand the temptation of worldly ease and abundance. And lastly, uh, to pray for priorities in line with God's. So to give you three words, uh, discernment, resolve, and priorities. So let me start and then uh, pray as you, uh, as you feel. Lord, uh, once again, we, uh, we find ourselves, I suppose, receiving a, a simple message from your wor word, which, has, uh, which presents us with difficulty in applying. But Lord, help us not to, to overcomplicate things. Indeed, as the, uh, the first point that I raised for prayer says, uh, I ask that you would help us to have great wisdom to know when we come upon a situation whereby uh, we need to prioritize and choose godliness over worldly abundance, even if that lands us with a meager worldly ration, Lord. Lord, may our hearts be uh, so in love with you. May we truly, uh, as is the, the sum of the law, may we love you with heart, soul, mind and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves, so that these right choices, these right priorities uh, are, are an ease for us. Please help us to have such a love for you, Lord. And I ask it in your name. Amen.